0: On today's episode of the McCann Dogs Podcast... I don't like labels because then we end up in this pigeonhole. Right? Right. Oh, that's a dominant dog. You can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Be very careful with labels because yes. they will pigeonhole you into areas that you don't want to.
1: And they're going to stop you from enjoying the most fulfilling and right. wonderful yes. relationship you can have with your dogs. Yes. The McCann Dogs Podcast is brought to you by McCann Professional Dog Trainers. We help dog owners to have a well-behaved, four-legged family and now, Instructor Shannon.
0: We are in the studio today. I'm Instructor Shannon, for those of you who are new to our podcast. And I'm here in the studio today with Instructor Christine, who we all call Instructor Swanee. So. Hi there.
2: That's because my last name is Swan. It's true. And it's I'm Swan-like. I'm and graceful. Graceful.
0: <laughs> that's what people always say about you. And your dancing is beyond reproach. Right. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <All right. laughs>
0: Today we have a whole bunch of topics planned to talk about and um, this is really, I put together this um, podcast plan based on some of the common things that puppies do that will often have people panic a little bit and not necessarily understand what it's about. Um, Things like nipping, they'll start to use words like aggression or when the puppies make noise in the crate, they start to use words like separation anxiety. And I thought it was time to sit down and do a podcast on some of these behaviors so that we can help to put people's minds at ease. Mm-hmm. That the majority of these things are are absolutely normal puppy stuff yes but before we get to that I thought I would ask you what is you do a lot of support for us at Mm -hmm. McCann Dogs you work for us both in person and online teaching Mm -hmm. and so you get to access a lot of the questions that our students are asking and you get to answer those questions for them so I thought that I would ask you what's one of the common questions that you've had in this last little while when it comes to support Oh, okay.
2: Well, I think people are outside and about more. Yes. Uh, so
0: we're getting uh, a lot of questions
2: about uh, puppies picking up sticks, puppies okay. picking up pine cones. Pretty much everything they
0: come across. Right. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> and we're also, you know, people are outside with their dogs now, walking more, and mm-hmm. we're, we're getting some questions this week about dogs that, uh, that stop and freeze and stare at other dogs. Okay. Um, you know, maybe go into a
0: crouch Ready to pounce. Okay. So just you know, general behavior like that. Okay, interesting. Okay. So you know what? Let's talk about the um, the first one there. The puppies picking up everything on their walks. And we'll save that other one for another episode okay. because I think that that's a great question oh, okay. as well. And I think we can provide some clarity for people on that one. Right. So in terms of the uh, puppies picking up everything they come across. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this as a behavior first. So first off, is this normal? Is this abnormal? What are your thoughts on that? This is absolutely normal. Ding ding ding. We need a little we need a little ding 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 noisemaker. We need a little we need a little need, ding ding yes, ding yes. noisemaker. That is absolutely true. It's so normal. Puppies just like babies, right? Babies pick up everything and they put everything in their mouth. This is an exploration tool and of course, puppies don't have hands. <laughs> Nailed it. Puppies do not have hands, so they don't pick things up with their paws. They pick things up with their mouths and they explore. And of course, puppies are always little Hoover vacuums wanting Mm -hmm. to pick up everything. Dogs by nature are scavengers. So scavenging is Mm -hmm. actually a really reinforcing activity for dogs. So that's something to keep in mind. So those are some of the reasons why that would happen. And I think we'll come back to this question a little bit later on in the episode to talk about some solutions for Mm -hmm. this problem. Perfect. Great common questions that we're getting this week. That's super. In terms of our normal puppy stuff, the first thing that I want to talk about is probably the biggest normal puppy thing that is the biggest pain in the butt for our students. And that is, what do you think? Hmm. Is it nipping? <laughs> <Could> it <be laughs> nipping. Absolutely. <laughs> nipping is something that is a challenge for most puppies. You know, I've had many puppies in my life and very few of them have come without nipping issues. Mm-hmm. I would say actually Ned was the easiest nipping problem right. to solve mm-hmm. that I had. Uh, but I've had variety and my first Rottweiler, my first dog... She was incredibly nippy, and my um, my mother actually still had visible scars on oh, her wow. arms from Quincy nipping, and this mm-hmm. was back in 1999, so this is going back 23, 24 years, right. and you could still see scars on my mother's arms mm-hmm. uh, at, 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 right up until last year when we when we said goodbye to mom. That's a very common theme for a lot of people mm-hmm. is to deal with these nipping puppies, right. so I thought that would be a good one to be first on the list. So first, let's talk about why puppies nip. Why do you think puppies nip?
2: Well, um, if you pick up your puppy, say at eight or nine weeks of age, they've had eight or nine weeks in the litter with their litter mates. And if you watch a litter of puppies, that's how they play. They pounce on the other puppy. They nip them. They pull their ears. They they use their mouths when they play. They certainly do they've had eight weeks or nine weeks of repeating it and no one's ever told them it's
0: wrong. Yes, absolutely. And it, it, it's it's a common tactic with puppies for, you know, that, that play behavior to get into nipping behaviors. It's very normal for them. Mm-hmm. And they react with how the other puppies react. And a lot of the times they'll learn some bite inhibition in the mm-hmm. litter. Because if a puppy is really over the top and they bite too hard, sometimes one of the other litter mates will tell them off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one of the other litter mates will Ostracize them, they will, they will right. refuse to play yeah. with them because mm-hmm. it's not enjoyable to play with that puppy right. who's nipping overly hard. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when they're playing, there's going to be a mutual understanding of different nipping behaviors, and a lot of the times that is practice for future hunter hunting behaviors as mm-hmm. well. It's something that we don't really think about that much because. In our society, you know, we don't send our dogs out to hunt for their own food anymore. Mm -hmm. We go to the store and hunt for it for them. And we're the best hunter-gatherers there are. (laughs) We come back with these giant bags of food for them or whatever you happen (laughs) to feed your dog. So that nipping behavior instinctually is often practiced through play, It's often something that carries over to humans, Mm -hmm. and if as humans we don't address it quickly, the puppies don't realize that it's not wanted in our human lives, and it's not something that they should be doing in terms of tactics to play with us. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the what are some of the tactics that you use early on with your puppies to stop the nipping? I
2: never let it start.
0: So that is awesome. The the moment
2: I bring my puppy home, uh, I'm like, okay, there is no puppy nipping allowed. Perfect. I want the puppy to understand right from the start, there's a whole new set of rules now that you have to follow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the best kindness we can do for our dogs, I think, is be consistent with mm-hmm. information that we're giving them. If some days it hurts when they nip and we get after them and some days we're like, oh, he's just trying to play or... One of the things we're gonna mm. talk about in uh, in conjunction with nipping is the teething angle. Mm. A lot of times people will blame nipping on teething and expect that that is an okay thing because the puppy is teething and losing their milk teeth, et cetera. And we'll talk about um, we'll talk about teething and how it differs as well mm. because I think it's important that we help people right. through some of these um, some of these misconceptions mm-hmm. that are out there in the world. I love that you're super consistent with it. I'm the same way now. I I remember a time Mm -hmm. when I was still a little bit confused about what to do with nipping. And of course, I wanted my puppies to uh, like me. So I thought that getting after them a little bit might cause them not to like me, which is absolutely the wrong way to think. Mm -hmm. You know, that might be be some way that we think about with human behavior. But when it comes to our dogs, they want black and white information. They want clear information and they will like you far less if sometimes they're allowed to nip. And other times they're told that they are not allowed to nip whatever tactics you're taking to help your puppy through nipping and these are all things that we work on in our puppy essentials Mm -hmm. programs both online and in person we spend a lot of time helping students with nipping issues giving consistent good information to your puppies is going to be absolutely crucial yes now when it comes to teething i know a lot of people are wondering how teething plays into this so what are your thoughts on teething first off Talk about teething when it happens, et cetera. Teething
2: doesn't, dogs don't start losing their teeth until they're usually around five months old.
0: Sometimes earlier, earlier four, it, five sometime months? in the window, three to six months okay, is usually right. like the start and then it continues. Some some puppies can have like really long teething periods right. where it takes a while mm-hmm. for their, their adult teeth to come in and their milk teeth are, are falling out for a while. Some dogs have very quick windows for it. So mm-hmm. it can vary a little bit. And uh, I think it can even vary from like puppy to puppy in the same litter. Right. So a lot depends on how much they're chewing and mm-hmm. stimulating those milk teeth to come mm-hmm. out, et cetera. Some puppies are more voracious chewers than other puppies right. might be. So. Yes. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, I've noticed with some
2: puppies because I'll find t- teeth around the house or we'll be playing <laughs> tug and there's a bit of blood on a tug toy. And I've had other puppies where, you know, it, I, they must swallow the teeth mm-hmm. because,
0: yeah, I never, never see one at all. The puppies swallowing the teeth is really a kindness for us because stepping on a sharp tooth <laughs> on the floor when you don't realize it's there is kind of painful. Right. <laughs> it's like a Lego, it's
2: like a tooth Lego. Yes. And nipping no puppy says you know what my my mouth is really sore i'm gonna go and chew on that human (laughs) Um, (laughs) absolutely yeah it it just doesn't yeah absolutely and nipping
0: Nipping is really like the play behavior, the jumping and grabbing and, you know, grabbing clothes, grabbing onto hands, mm-hmm. grabbing onto skin, holding on. With some of our herding breeds, for example, we get a lot of questions about how do I stop my puppy from nipping at my ankles? Right. And, you know, things like that are very commonplace with nipping and with youngsters. And it's important to address them. When it comes to teething, teething is more of a chewing behavior. So teething isn't really, sometimes puppies will be really irritated with the pain in their mouth. Mm-hmm. So it might come out as some nipping. But either way, it needs to be dealt with. Right. So regardless of whether it is connected to teething in some way or if it's just play nipping that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. it is so important to help your puppy understand when they're young how to build good bite inhibition and right. that their teeth are their responsibility, shouldn't be used mm-hmm. on human skin, et cetera. And trust me when I say puppies and dogs are fully capable of controlling their mouths 100%. Mm-hmm. If they A lot of the times people will say, oh, uh, the puppy bit me, but it was an accident. And that, It it, it is an accident in that they don't necessarily understand it's not Mm -hmm. acceptable yet because they haven't gotten the right information. Once they get the right information, they are so capable of being gentle with their mouths. Mm -hmm. They're so capable of directing their mouths to not accidentally slip onto human skin. Mm -hmm. With my Rottweiler, for example, once I got the nipping under control, I could tug with her Mm -hmm. with my hands super close to her mouth. And I was never worried because Mm -hmm. I knew that she was very capable of being careful with her teeth the tollers are the same and it's basically just building those skills Mm -hmm. and helping our dogs understand that it's their job right it's their responsibility Mm -hmm. and that comes through good consistent information yes yes
2: if we allow our puppies to sometimes pull our clothes or sometimes bite at us and then you know the next day we wake up and say they can't do that we're creating confusion yes and the dog looks at us as as a poor leader because we're not giving them consistent information.
0: Absolutely. Just like at,
2: at work, if one day your boss says, oh yeah, go ahead and um, you know have your coffee uh, at your workstation. And then the next day you bring your coffee back into your workstation and he comes roaring out at you, no coffee in the workstation. <laughs> no coffee for you. No coffee for you. <laughs> you know, you're gonna go, what? Yeah. What, what? What? Like you're not gonna know what to
0: do. And that's yes. what our puppy does too. Absolutely. I would much rather have black and white information and clear cut rules and understand what's acceptable and what's not. I love that. That was a good analogy. One of the myths I think that comes along with this as well, and this is probably because it's attached to a teething, like a a thought that, you know, teething and nipping are the same thing. One of the myths is that puppies will grow out of it. And while that's not entirely untrue, they do lose the tendency to do that. Play nipping quite as, um, quite as voraciously as they would when they're young puppies, they don't ever actually grow out of this. Mm -hmm. And what happens is we get puppies that become complacent about using their teeth. So then that carries through the rest of their life Mm -hmm. and they don't develop good bite inhibition, they become adolescents that will use their teeth on human skin and then they become adults that are willing to bite Mm -hmm. in in a a higher degree because they've never developed that good good bite inhibition and that desire to be very careful with their teeth. I think that uh, if you are struggling with some nipping issues, getting after it and making sure that you're consistent with good information and good advice for your puppy is going to be the best thing you can do. And it's going to help them be your best friends. Right, yes. Having inconsistent information or letting them, you know, letting them run the show with their teeth mm-hmm. is not going to help with that whole friendship quotient. Yes.
2: And I, I'm, I'm glad I've taught bite inhibition to my dogs. Um, I remember uh, my corgi, Iggy, mm-hmm. um, our neighbor suddenly appeared her the daughter she's maybe about eight or nine suddenly appeared on roller skates oh and started roller skating and I I, this Iggy was my first dog that was my own and um, Iggy went I must chase those little roller skate wheels Uh, and Iggy took off after our neighbor's daughter oh boy and I the first thing out of my mouth was I I I can't remember what her name was now but I, I called to her to stop okay and then my second take the motion thought, out of it. Yeah, take, so she stopped. And then my second thing was, oh, I hope Iggy doesn't catch her and nip her because that you know it, you yeah. know that's how corgis herd. They run and they control motion by nipping. But uh, Iggy got to her and just was like, oh, hello, and you know, wiggled up to her like, hello, hello. And I you know called Iggy at that point or had her lie down. But I remember thinking if I hadn't trained Iggy not to nip, she might have just went in and and nipped her because you know kid on roller skates yeah that would be fun to do but iggy knew that you know what no nipping humans aren't allowed that's not an option to use your mouth ever on a human so it was uh it was a good lesson for me and uh so i've always made sure from now on dogs do not put skin on teeth perfect put teeth on skin Oh, skin <laughs> on teeth. Oh my goodness. It's okay. You know what? We it's, know what you meant. I've only had one coffee this morning. <laughs> After my second coffee, I'll be right on.
0: We're gonna have to pump more coffee into you. <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was uh really helpful information, I'm sure. What are some of the tactics that you use, or do you use tactics? You said that you haven't that you don't notice a lot of teething behaviors with your dog. So that's another nice byproduct of dealing with the nipping the nipping behaviors early on in the process mm-hmm. is that when you do get to teething they're clear that chewing on you is not an option. Right. So now you can help direct that chewing behavior. And with teething, we do want to help promote chewing as much as possible. Mm. Um, do you have any, uh, any go-tos that you use for teething behaviors? Uh, f- for Like for chewing on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've... Um Um, I've put
2: a free, a a carrot, a big carrot in the freezer Okay. and I've let them, uh, you know, chew on that. I, I, I want to go build a snowman suddenly. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be careful that they don't, um, eat too much of the carrot because it might upset a little puppy tummy, but you know, to sink their gums into. Yeah. I've also gotten a, a face cloth and um, soaked it in water and put it in the, and twisted it. Okay. And uh, maybe put a knot or two in it and put that in the freezer. Okay. And let if the puppy... you do, If you do do that, definitely
0: supervise that yes, so yes, that there's definitely,
2: no Yeah. It. We don't want the dog to swallow that, but it's just but, something yeah, I that. cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I might give them some ice cubes to play with. Um, yeah. I yeah. love that idea. Yeah. Frozen
0: Kongs, things like right? that. Yeah. There yeah. Are actually are um, puppy teething toys as well that mm-hmm. have like the uh, uh, material inside right. that will freeze up up and like, they can chew on that like, ba-
2: like baby human teething toys yeah yes. absolutely supervise though because yes yes
0: yeah yeah i would always supervise with anything that i didn't feel 100 percent safe leaving right. my puppy with unattended and mm-hmm. that's really and good puppies, advice yeah are
2: supervised anyways yes yes i'm not gonna go you know or i'm not gonna put the puppy in a crate with something a teething type toy because they're right. soft and cold. Unless, yeah, yes. maybe like a frozen Kong, a frozen Kong or something like fine, that. Yeah. I would feel safe with that. Yes. But yeah,
0: to, to be quite honest, there's very few chew toys that I feel confident enough mm-hmm. leaving in the crate with my dogs. And even with um, the caveat of being careful and only using trusted toys like Kongs, for example, are right. usually knock on wood, mm-hmm. usually a pretty good option, but I always make sure that I watch my puppy chew those mm-hmm. things first. I make sure that I feel like they're going to be safe with that chew toy before I ever take the chance of right. leaving them unattended with mm-hmm. it. And that is definitely well uh, yes. sage advice.
2: Yeah, and with like, I've had lots of dogs as an adult and my I had one corgi named Gavin. He was able to chew Kongs apart and I do Wow, don't, a
0: corgi too, yeah, eh? Oh, and I goodness. don't know what his
2: technique was. Yeah. But you know, my Malinois couldn't wreck them. My Saluki couldn't wreck them. The other corgis, like the Shelties. the But this one corgi, he could rip apart a Kong.
0: I think Gavin gave the Kong to one of the Malinois overnight and said, chew oh, yeah. this up, and <laughs> then <laughs> I'll I'll make it look like I did it. Because you're the tough
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember giving him a black Kong, which is the strongest ones he yeah. got for Christmas. And... I remember we're unwrapping Christmas toys and the dogs all have their Kongs and I turned around and Gavin's was in pieces. It's like that quickly. That he yes. Wow. Gavin was a master at ripping apart Kongs, red My Kongs, goodness. black Kongs. Yeah, he always took he, he, yeah, he'd start with the big end with the hole and just start biting pieces off it. Huh.
0: Crafty. I don't. He had
2: some technique.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there you go. There's case in point. Every dog is right. a little bit different, and there's no hard and fast rules. There right. is no chew toy out there that we can ever say is indestructible across the board. Right. I, I mean, it's just it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tip that I like to offer my students who are dealing with teething behaviors because the puppies really want to chew everything, um, just so that we don't lose clarity when it comes to them understanding that they shouldn't chew on your couch and your rug, et cetera, et cetera, or your shoes, et cetera, as you're training your puppy. I like to make sure that there's only one available chew toy out for the dog at Mm -hmm. a time. I might rotate it out, but I want to be really clear with my puppy. This is your chew. This is the thing you get to chew. I'm going to make it interesting so that I can promote them chewing that. Mm -hmm. But really, I don't want them to have six or seven options on the floor because then what changes those toys as an option when they get to the shoe or the sock, not that I have socks laying around my house, but. Yeah, hopefully, right. hopefully you get my point there's other options in the area
1: and it sort of skews the line when there's too many options for right. the puppy ready to nip that puppy biting in the bud head on over to the McCann Dogs professional training YouTube channel and check out the stop biting playlist happy training so moving on to our next normal puppy
0: behavior that might be surprising for some people. And this one is, goes by a variety of names. Some people call them puppy burns. Some people call them zoomies. They are scientifically called frap, frenetic random activity periods. <laughs> Basically, the zoomies are your puppy going Wee! and doing like this rabbit run around the area, around the living room maybe or outside Mm -hmm. in the yard. There are times when if it's safe, to do a Zoomie, I will just watch in Glee as my puppy or my adult dogs do them. You know, every once in a while, Jaden, at 14, almost 14, (laughs) would do puppy burns or Zoomies, and it was just such a joy to watch. Generally, they they can come with overstimulation or understimulation, so Mm -hmm. sometimes they're not. A desirable thing and sometimes they come when they're not really safe to come so right. what what um what are your thoughts on the zoomies if, if the dog is safe i too love the zoomies <laughs> they're just so cute to watch uh, i find
2: um even um my chinese crested he is he'll be 14 um every time he gets wet he ah. will do a, he'll do so if i give yeah. him a bath or even if in after the rain if he gets quite wet out yes. in the rain he loves to do a zoomie after that i think just the <laughs> Woo! yeah yeah
0: <laughs> oh after the bath is so funny right, the yes. zoomies and then rolling on the towel and whatnot right. i don't uh i don't often bathe my dogs i have to admit mm-hmm. um they they get very infrequent baths because they're pretty wash and wear mm-hmm. having tollers they're pretty wash and wear but i do enjoy watching them do zoomies around the yard trying to dry themselves right, off yes. after a good bath <laughs> what of the funny shannon um, do you do that too I do, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I get out of the shower. I go straight out to the yard no, and I wee. <laughs> We lay on a towel and rub <laughs> around. <laughs> exactly, and my neighbors watch. Right. Sometimes they bring out their phones to video. I'm not really sure why. why? Oh, they confusing. probably just like your technique. <laughs> they, it might be. Yes. Yeah, they're going to watch my technique <laughs> later. So some of the other um, some of the other points where uh, your puppy might do some zoomies. What what are some other thoughts?
2: Uh, a lot of times, there's that that puppy witching hour. Yes, around seven o'clock at night, a lot of puppies and
0: dogs will suddenly wake up and say, Oh. <gasps>
2: and just start Zooming.
0: Yeah. So if that happens in the house, what I usually will do is just very, I don't want my puppy running into a table or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, I wanna make sure that they stay safe. So if it's in a situation where it's really not a good idea for them to do a Zoomy, Mm -hmm. I will just very gently put my foot on the house line, which they always have on Mm -hmm. until my puppy is older and Mm -hmm. reliable on my voice. Right. And I'm confident that I'll be able to tell them settle from across the room and have them instantly stop those zoomies. I always make sure there's a house line on. So if my puppy were to wake up and do zoomies around the living room, Mm -hmm. I would just use my foot as a little bit of a gentle break. So very slowly putting it over that house line to bring that puppy to a stop. And then I can work my settle from there. But Mm -hmm. if it's a safe area, I don't mind necessarily letting them have a little romp. Like One of the best times for watching zoomies is often after a really good poop. <laughs> have you have you noticed that with your puppies ever? I I don't I don't know. It's one of those I feel good moments. I don't,
2: I don't maybe cuz I'm too busy cleaning up after them? Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, at any rate, you might see some puppy burns, zoomies, frap from your puppy. A lot of the times people think that their puppy is possessed, that there's this, you know, dramatic (laughs) thing going on. It's very normal exertion of energy. Sometimes it happens after a little bit of a stressful moment. Sometimes it happens through excitement. Um, If you're noticing that your puppy is doing a lot of Puppy Burns mm-hmm. or Zoomies, then you really would be well served to look at your training schedule, mm-hmm. look at your um, your crate schedule, your structure, and look at where you can make adjustments so that their energy is a little bit more evened out versus yes. having those overstimulated moments and possibly understimulated moments mm-hmm. as well. You know, if right. they're not getting oh. enough,
2: I just thought of another time they do the Zoomies. I could tell
0: that you had.
2: Sometimes (laughs) when you come home from a walk.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The transition. Yes. I I, I think that's like a transitional energy thing that's happening. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You come home from a walk, you think, okay, they'll be tired. You take off their leash and
0: woo!
1: Yes. (laughs) We want to see your dog in a moment of Zoomy bliss. Upload a video to social media and tag McCann Dog Trainers or share the link in the comment section below. Happy Zoomies.
0: So another very common thing that puppies do that people will jump to the word separation anxiety with. What do you think I'm gonna talk about?
2: Their puppy makes noise in the crate. Yes,
0: absolutely. (laughs) crate noise is incredibly normal and incredibly common with puppies and some puppies can be worse than others Mm -hmm. some puppies can be quiet right from the get-go and if you have brought home a puppy and you put them in the crate and they settled in and went to sleep you can either profusely thank your breeder Mm -hmm. for having started their crate training exercises before they left home or you can Thank the universe, the lucky stars, whatever you mm. <laughs> would like to show appreciation to, because that can be a rarity. Most puppies will vocalize in the yes. crate. Let's talk a little bit about why that happens. What are some of the reasons you think puppies are hardwired to make noise?
2: Puppies, um, once again, back to the growing up in the litter. So when they are little puppies in the litter, if um, it, you know the mom moves away and the puppy's like, well, where'd everyone go? you know, the puppy's going to cry and, um, the mom will, you know, go and nuzzle the puppy. You know, I'm here, I'm here. Um, litter mates as they get older and mobile, like a puppy gets separated and they cry and another litter yeah. appears. So they've learned right from the get-go that whimpering, crying, barking brings the attention of the rest of the litter. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So when we bring them home and they try that, it's really tactical. They've learned it gets reinforced. Mm-hmm. They've learned that it's a good way of, you know, getting this period of being alone to stop. Right and unfortunately what do people do that often reinforces that they immediately go to the puppy yes and the puppy says oh it works with people too awesome absolutely (laughs) and then of course if we reinforce that behavior and the puppy says okay Good tactic to use, mm-hmm. and we do that even once or twice. Right, what pe- happens? People, well, people want to console, like
2: as, yes. you know, you're nurturing, and yeah. um, you know, you've brought this puppy home, and they're so tiny and cute and innocent. Looking. And it's
0: heartbreaking to hear them cry, right?
2: Yes, and you put them in the crate, and often your first impulse is to run back and go, "Oh, it's okay, you're yes, okay, absolutely." You're okay. And uh, dogs think very differently than people. You know, that might work with a child to console them but it's not
0: going to work with a puppy. And I like to try to stay ahead of the noise. The first couple of days that I have my puppy home, I find my crate becomes very mobile with me. So as I'm moving from one room to the next, I bring the crate with me, and that helps me to stay in front of the noise so Mm -hmm. that if if my puppy wakes up and they start fussing, I'm right there and I can say, hey, hey, you're okay. You know, not to worry. I can slide my fingers through the bars. Mm -hmm. I can build some comfort for the crate in those first couple of days. But then once that's passed, I want to make sure that... Both in that situation and outside of that situation, I want to make sure that I'm not actually reinforcing that noise by appearing when my puppy makes noise. So if they wake up and they're a little bit fussy and I can preempt that noise Mm -hmm. by saying, hey, hey, I'm right here, like not to worry. That's a good tactic for preventing the noise and preventing the rehearsal Mm -hmm. of the noise. But I also want to make sure that if my puppy makes noise and I'm not already right there, that I don't go running to them and then use that moment to try to console them and slide my fingers through the bars and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So in that moment, what might you do? If you're outside the room and you hear your puppy fussing and you know, you know, for example, that. I need to take this puppy out for a pee. Right. So I need to go and get him. What would be a tactic that you would use from there?
2: Well, I want the puppy to have some quiet before I go there. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in another room and I know I need to get the puppy out to the bathroom, but the puppy's whining, that's what you're asking? Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Yes, yes. So I'm going to either... Wait it out for a little bit. Okay. See if it uh, changes, or I might maybe from the room I'm in make a big noise. Love that. That will startle the puppy. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm in the kitchen. Maybe I'll bang a pot. Chances are the puppy is going to stop, and that gives me my little window to yeah. run in there to let them out. Absolutely.
0: So even if just from around the corner, you kind of knocked on the wall, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of times puppies will just go, whoa, what was that? Right. And they stop making noise. And then from there, you can go, oh, what a good, quiet puppy you are. And then you can appear. Mm -hmm. After a couple of seconds, you can appear at that point. And that interruption technique basically helps the puppy to understand that it's the quiet moment that made you appear. And of course, they're puppies. We need to attend Mm -hmm. to their needs. So we don't want them in there screaming and then having an accident in their crate. So those interruption techniques are great Mm -hmm. for just getting a moment of quiet. And then from there, we can go into the room and go to our puppies and it's the quiet that becomes the tactic to bring us to them versus the noise that was the tactic to bring us to them so
2: and i i like to get my puppies used to the crate the moment i bring them home too absolutely so a lot of people bring home their puppy and they spend the rest of the day cuddling the puppy holding the puppy playing with the puppy never using that crate. puppy (laughs) yes (laughs) But when I bring my puppies home, I get them home. It's like, hi, this is our house. Here's where you go to the bathroom. Here's the water bowl. Give them a little tour. Actually, my son used to like to give the tour. Aww. He would take the puppy around and show them, where, give the house tour. This was so hurt. cute. Here's our water bowl and here's how you get outside. And It was just adorable. Yeah. Children are so innocent with the puppies. And then I'd say, you know, so the puppy's now been home maybe 15 minutes and it's like, okay, time to go in your crate you need a nap. You yeah, a big day so far. So I plunked the puppy right away. So right away, the puppy's saying, okay, you know what? It's not constant, constant people and affection. It's There's time alone too. Yeah. And I might even put the puppy in the crate and maybe, you know, run to the variety store or something like that. Like I'm yeah. leaving
0: the house right away too. This is a really good point because we get a lot of people asking us after like, you know, a week and a half or two weeks home, like when can I leave my puppy alone? And it's like, You haven't left your puppy alone yet? Yes, yes. Like, you absolutely 100% Mm -hmm. need to get the puppy used to normal trends right off the bat. Because if you are constantly around for the first, you know, week and a half, and then all of a sudden you have to go back to work or you have to... I mean, we all have needs. We right. need to go to the grocery store. Yep. If it's the middle of summer, you're not taking your puppy with you, even in a crate and leaving them in the car like that would be dangerous. Right. Yep. So we need to make sure that we set our puppies up for understanding what our normal routines are going to be like and not panicking, not panicking with that. And that is some of the um, are some of the tactics that you can use to avoid creating separation anxiety, mm-hmm. because a lot of the times what people do is inadvertently cause their dogs to have a little bit of separation anxiety right. by spending all the time with the puppies mm-hmm. doing all the snuggly stuff you know and and there's nothing wrong with the snuggly nope. stuff we love snuggling right. with our puppies of course but it has to be on a small scale and we need to make sure that the puppy is spending a lot of time with structure and with crate time etc mm-hmm. which brings me to my one of my points that I wanted to make the best way you can help your puppy learn to. A lot of times, people will hear the crying and think, "Oh, my puppy hates the crate." So then they only use the crate when they go to sleep, or they or they only use the crate overnight, or when they're away for long periods of time. And unfortunately, that will actually feed into separation anxiety mm-hmm. far more right. than just you know pulling the band aid off yep. and helping the puppy get used to the crate. Mm-hmm. The best way you can help your puppy learn to love the crate. Is by using it often Mm -hmm. and using it in both structured and non-structured ways. So when I have a young puppy at home, I make sure that a lot of the times I throw them in that crate for two minutes at a time. I throw them in the crate. I go to the bathroom myself. Mm -hmm. I throw them in the crate. I go and have a quick shower. I throw them in the crate. I walk. I purposely walk out of the room, walk back into the room, and then pull them back mm-hmm. out of the crate. Yes. And when I say throw and pull, obviously, I'm <laughs> <not> literally <laughs> meaning throw and pull. Right. But we play a lot of games with the crate to teach mm-hmm. our puppies that it's a positive thing to right. go in. We teach them to have door manners so that they can start to use their brain a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, teaching them to... Um, not barge through the crate door when we open it up has so many useful reasons Mm -hmm. to do so and one of them is to help our puppies turn on their brain and start to figure out what gets me out and that is calm patient behavior it's not the screaming thing you know if you have a really hard time listening to the crying iphone or airpods (laughs) ear good earbuds right are going to be a really helpful tactic for you so that you don't have to listen to it and feel your heart breaking with every single cry. And your puppies will settle in. They will realize that, you know what, this crate is a safe space. Once they get all the positives that come Mm -hmm. along with the crate, we like to feed some of our meals in the crate. We like to play games with the crate. And again, I like to really make sure that they're in and out for short periods of time as well as longer periods of time. What happens with puppies who only go into their crate for sleeping overnight or for long periods of time? I think it becomes attached to the idea that the crate means you're going to disappear for a long period of time. time, So having those like short windows of time for the puppy to go in, get Mm -hmm. used to it, I think really helps to ensure that they don't develop any sort of separation anxiety. Yes. The other thing with, um, with reinforcing the noise. So here's a puppy that makes a little bit of noise. You go to them and let them out. And then they make a little bit of noise the next time and you go to them and let them out. And then you decide, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let this puppy out anymore. Mm -hmm. So you ignore the noise to see if it's going to stop. What often happens in that case? The noise gets
2: much louder. It does. Much louder. It does. Yes. And crazier sounding. Yes. Yes. And why is that? Well, it's like when we um, push the button on a vending machine. So I push the button and a pop falls out. I push the button and a pop falls out. I push the button, no pop falls out. What do you do? Bang on the button, bang, bang, kick the machine. Yeah, yeah,
0: to get my pop out. Exactly, if the expected response changes, you still expect the response to be what you were expecting to be in with. So that pop didn't come out. And I love that analogy, that's really clever. (laughs) The pop didn't come out, so then you push the button again and you push it harder and you push it a bunch of times in a row. That's what the puppy's doing essentially. So hey, I made noise before and it worked. Uh, it's not working now, so right. I need to make more noise mm-hmm. and more noise and more noise. And some puppies will work themselves into quite a, a frenzy. frenzy. Yes, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely.
2: And it, especially if they're older too. So I, I find at eight weeks the puppy's cries are much quieter Mm -hmm. and easier to listen to yes a 16 17 week old puppy oh yeah oh that that can yeah yeah you'll have the fire department at your house (laughs) yes
0: yeah absolutely so
2: yeah start you know start it young don't wait till they're older yes i i brought home an older puppy uh i adopted her at 16 weeks okay and i think she basically lived a feral life Oh, I think, which um, puppy was that? It was Sabre, oh, the okay. Malinois. Malinois. And I think the breeder had basically had them in an outdoor pen with a doghouse. And they just were nuts. They were feral uh. when I brought her home. And uh, the, oh, the, the noise was horrific and the biting of the bars. Oh, my goodness. And just the... Like the twisting and contorting, but you know, I know it was it was awful. But it took it took a good week, a good week with her to finally okay. for her to say, "Okay, I guess it's normal." But um, so I can emphasize when you know, you know, when people are having problems because oh, for sure, yes, I I remember bringing her home and just, oh my goodness, like, yeah. yes, this is horrific to listen to. Oh,
0: so much energy they get drained with that. I bet mm-hmm. um, my first Toller was actually really difficult mm-hmm. if for for noise in the crate tollers mm-hmm. are known for being noisy dogs to begin with they don't necessarily bark right but they have a lovely scream <laughs> lovely air quotes definitely surrounding right, yeah. that word lovely they have quite the ear piercing mm-hmm. scream and uh, he was a challenge with noise in the crate but mm-hmm. even he he learned to absolutely love his crate with good tactics Mm -hmm. and good information, and me persevering, and I was fairly young in my training career with my first Mm Toller, and it was a lot for me to have to deal with, but Mm -hmm. with good advice and good information, we got through it, and he became a wonderful crate trained dog, Mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful. And of course, having having a dog that's used to being in the crate, even if you know that when your dog becomes an adult and they're trustworthy in the Mm -hmm. house, you're never gonna use that crate in the house again, it's still a good thing to keep them used to right. because you never know when you're going to have to leave them with friends. You yep. never know when you're going to have to leave them in a kennel situation, potentially mm-hmm. leave them at the vet. Right. Yep.
2: Honda had to stay at the vet last week and okay. they uh, let me bring him into the back and put him into the, one of the kennels nice. and Honda just hopped in there and I closed the door and waved to him and off I went.
0: Yeah. Yes. And that's, it's comforting for them because it's a, it's a scenario that they know well already mm-hmm. and they feel that this is their safe space. Right. And, it just really helps in those situations. Cause obviously being at the vet already is going to be stressful. So right. giving them something familiar is going to be a good thing. And the other thing that I really think is beneficial for the crate is car travel
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it, it's the safest route to go so if you can fit a crate in the car that is going to be the best way to travel with your dogs and keep them nice and safe and of course there's been all sorts of advancements in recent years with crates that are impact tested and going to um, I have crates in my vehicle that have an escape hatch you know in case Mm -hmm. I get rear-ended I can open the other side of it and they actually have crumple zones and they're they're fabulous crates and I feel safe with my dogs being in those crates so
2: Another example, one of our colleagues had a client and she lived in Ontario and they were moving to Newfoundland and they had a dog that would not crate. They oh, okay. had never crated it. The dog hated being in the crate and they needed to fly the dog to Newfoundland. And so, of course, the dog's got to be in a crate in an airplane. Now they considered driving. But um, Newfoundland is an island, so the dog would have to be in the crate on the ferry. And the ferry rides to Newfoundland, one, one is 16 hours, and the other one is nine hours. Wow. So it's not a quick ferry ride right. to Newfoundland. And um, the ferries take dogs, but dogs uh, have to be in crates if okay. they come out of the car. So, um, you know, you don't want to leave your dog in the car that long. Of course. And you yeah. can't go down to see it. So um, they, they basically had no no options. And uh, they had to get the dog ready to go into a crate. And uh, this was an adult, an adult dog who had never been crated. And it was a very, very stressful situation. So,
0: yes. So you never know, you know, when, what life throws at you. Absolutely. Mm. Well, and, having a crate trained dog makes them mobile with you. Like I never hesitate to think about bringing my dogs with me to hotels, Mm -hmm. right? Usually when I stay in a hotel, it's because of a dog event anyway. So I don't know why I would be there without them, but I can crate them. Maybe I have dogs with me that aren't competing, but I wouldn't hesitate to bring them along because I know that they're well crate trained. I can set up my portable crates in Mm -hmm. the hotel room and they go in and they settle and I can put them in there, and we can go down to the hotel restaurant and have dinner, and I know that they're safe in the hotel room, I know that they're not going to be making noise in there because they're crate trained, Mm -hmm. etc. Um, I can take them with me to friends houses yeah. and you know if I'm staying overnight at a friend's house and maybe that friend doesn't have dogs mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have my dogs loose in their house right. I have crates as an option you know there's so many situations where I just don't have to think about whether or not I should right. bring my dogs or not because yes. I can set up the crate and I can put them in the crate and they can relax and mm-hmm. then I can of course attend to their needs right. when, I, uh, when I have that opportunity yes. but they're nice and relaxed in the crate and I know right. there's Safe. Yeah,
2: I mean, years ago, um, going to Canada, we did Canada's Wonderland season pass, and I don't know if Canada's Wonderland still does this, but they have a, a dog area that crated dogs can stay in oh so that way you can go to canada's wonderland and get your money's worth and stay the entire day interesting. your dogs yeah. are in a safe area in crates indoors air-conditioned and you can come and let them in and out as you please
0: oh that's interesting yes. i don't remember that being a thing but i haven't been to Wonderland right. now in a long time yes so cool, i i'm
2: yeah, it was definitely there the season that we used it because i brought the dogs numerous times so i would they had their own like veterinarian type kennels. Okay, but I was adamant. No, I'm bringing my own crates. So I, I nice. fall in with three dog crates, <laughs> and um I I I they asked if I they could take the dogs out, and I said under no circumstances are you taking my dogs out. Um just because I'm yes. overprotective. Oh me too. Overprotective me too. I'm yep. like
0: nodding in agreement right. here yep. as you're yep. saying this. Yep. Oh yeah, give me more tactics. Yep. Give me more. This is great. So then. <laughs>
2: So we put little signs like, you know, do not do not take out owner will be back to take out and Perfect. I would go I you know went a couple of times during the day we uh, we brought food and we had a little picnic with the dogs and then we put the dogs back in the crate and went and we stayed the entire day at, at Wonderland that. and it was, you know, so the dogs loved being in their crates there and they had a great time.
0: Perfect. So, so many good reasons to crate train, including those trips to Wonderland, which are super fun. Mm -hmm. Actually, the last time I went to Wonderland, I was very sad because I went on a roller coaster and I felt nauseous afterwards, which I hear is common as people get older. And I used to be an avid roller coaster fan as a younger woman. 70's a tough age to hit, (laughs) Shay.
2: 70's a tough age. 76 this year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Crate training doesn't have to be stressful director Shannon shows us how to do it calmly and effectively in this video link in the description below happy training Alrighty, the last thing that I have on my talking
0: points list today to talk about as one of those things that uh, is an overused word is dominance oh. so in your time I just out of curiosity in your time with with McCann's and training mm-hmm. dogs in like how many years now
2: oh Too many, too many to count. I started with McCann's in 1989. Okay,
0: so that's been a while. Yes. That's been a while. You're like 93 or something. (laughs) Just just turned 93, 93. Um, How many truly dominant dogs have you come across? Barely any. Yeah, I would say the exact same yeah. thing. Most dogs are more than happy to toe the line if they get good information to do so. Right. And words like stubborn and dominant often come into play with dogs that are just undertrained or right. untrained yes. versus dogs who are truly wanting to run the show in the world. Right. You know, I would say I could count on one hand, even maybe the the number right. of truly dominant dogs right. that and, I would say that I have run into and, and helped and work through. And
2: often those truly dominant dogs are very dangerous dogs yes yes yeah They're absolutely. dangerous
0: dogs yes yeah and you really have to think around how to make it make sense to them right your timing needs to be mm-hmm. impeccable etc but in my experience the overwhelming majority of dogs are happy to be led. They're happy to be the ones going, you know what? You go out and do the hunting. Yes. You go out and fight off the predators. You go out and make all the decisions. I'm gonna lounge here on the couch today. And I'm gonna enjoy my time. Mm. So dominance is really not something that we come across very, very often. And it often is a go to for people when their puppies are just being normal puppies and Mm -hmm. not getting good information. So a pushy pup does not mean a dominant dog whatsoever. And Using the word dominance with puppies, even unless you're talking about, you know, a litter of puppies and the puppies trying to figure out their hierarchy in that litter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the the structure and the family structure of this unit, they do work out who is where Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But it's also a bit of a roaming target because it really depends on what the resource is. For Mm -hmm. example, some puppies might go, you know what? I'm usually the big cheese in this litter, but I don't care enough about that bully stick to make a big issue of it. Right. so sure, you can take it. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that other puppy is more dominant than this puppy. Right. Like there's all sorts of um there's all sorts of nuances yes. to uh, to behaviors, of interactions, et cetera. And with humans, there's very few dogs that are truly trying to be dominant right. with their humans. Most dogs are just, Lacking in good information mm-hmm. and lacking in enough skills to right. make the right decisions, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times people expect dogs, puppies especially, to grow out of behaviors. And we talked about that with nipping. Puppies will never grow out of being puppies. Right. They'll never. They'll never grow out of dog tendencies, mm-hmm. if you will. They will grow up, right, and they'll get better at their dog tendencies, but. They'll never learn to come when they're called just by growing up. Right. You know, They'll never learn to be calm in situations where they should be calm just by growing up. Mm-hmm. All of the behaviors and experiences that come along with dogs will remain dog-like. What we do when we're training right. is we teach them how to adapt to our human rules mm-hmm. and our human skills. So this is where communication is often lost with people and right. they go to words like stubborn and dominant. Right. Take the time train the dog mm-hmm. work on the skills that you want you know whatever that happens to be if you've got a dog that likes to jump up on people that's not dominance that's just a dog right. it's a yep. dog that has not learned to pull to greet
2: politely right yeah dogs love to do things that are fun exactly. and they'll repeat them yeah. not even even just rewarding so if, if a dog finds it rewarding to jump up and start to pull at your clothes and then your reaction is all kind of frantic your dog says that's funny i'm gonna do that again
0: absolutely and if we're like trying to pull away from them and you know screeching as some people might do Mm -hmm. that's a blast that's another puppy playing along right Right. if if one puppy bit another puppy in play that puppy would probably scream and then maybe come back a little harder so that's the expected behavior yes we're the ones that change the equation for Mm -hmm. the dog so be very aware of um of, of not labeling things because a lot of the times I don't like labels because then we end up in this pigeonhole where, right. Oh, that's a dominant dog. You can't do anything with it or mm. that, you know, the whatever behavior it is right. that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Be very careful with labels because yes. they will pigeonhole you into areas that you don't want to. And they're going to stop you from enjoying the most fulfilling and right. wonderful yes. relationship you can have with your dogs.
2: Yes. And even pigeonholing breed tendencies, you know, Oh, you have a Siberian Husky. You'll never train that dog to come. Well, that's not true or absolutely yeah we actually have uh, them off leash
0: yeah in uh in our members only program which is a higher learning program for anybody who's listening it's a higher learning program that people can do with us online after they have done their life skills Mm -hmm. programs and we have one of the most talented huskies Mm -hmm. that is coming along and learning very very brilliant things in the program and her wonderful owner is sucking in all the information that he can and just doing a bang up job so Mm -hmm. i would love to sit down and have somebody say to him that you can't teach a husky to come when called because he would set them all straight we've seen actually hundreds of huskies in the programs over the years and they are definitely have a tendency to want to run they have a tendency to want to pull and be sled dogs Mm -hmm. it's what they're bred to do breed tendency counts for a lot and that's why we train them you know we don't say you're stubborn or you're not going to be able to come when you're called because you're this type of dog we just train them. Right. You just train them. You keep, <laughs> like I, when I had my
2: Saluki, my sighthound, I kept my expectations high. Yes. I didn't say, well, you know what? She's a sighthound. Her, her recall is not going to be as good as a border collie It's like, no, you can be every bit as good. Absolutely. Yes. And absolutely. I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted and I just kept brainstorming until I achieved
0: it. I love that story that you've told several times about you healing across a lure coursing field or something like that with Wait, cowboys. Yes, Tell that story. Yes,
2: yes. So we were lure coursing. And lure coursing is where a dog, it's a simulated rabbit hunt. So it's basically a pulley system with, actually, it's a funny, it's a plastic bag. And uh, the dogs love to chase it. And what are they going to do when plastic bags are completely eliminated? Oh, Yeah, Good
0: point. Maybe they just use cloths Maybe, or something yes, now. Maybe, yes, yes. Just something white and floppy. Right. <laughs> and the dogs chase it. And
2: the dogs are scored on their hunting ability and following ability. Well, sighthounds often... After they finish chasing the lure, can't be caught, and yes. sometimes you have to wait while they round up all the hounds and um, you know do a lot of funny tactics to get these dogs. And everybody
0: on the sidelines yelling "loose dog, loose dog!" <laughs> right? Yes, and
2: so it's very normal. And um, cowboy finished her lure. And I called her over to me, and instead of putting her on lead right away, I just called her into heel position, and we started to do a beautiful heel off the course. And I'm like, "Look how pretty she is healing beside <laughs> me," and I got yelled at up and down by the judge to get my dog back on a leash. Oh my goodness! And um, I remember thinking, "What?" Well, well, and I was new to the sport, so it was like, "What? What do you mean? Like, 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 why would my dog run away from me? Like, why would you know?" My dog is trained, right? <laughs> And then, so I put her on her leash and uh, we continued to move off. And then after watching about two hours more, I realized why he, yeah, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't an angry, it was more like a panic, like, you know, get your, you know, we don't want to, you
0: know, be chasing your dog, like. So it was a bit of an eye-opener there. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. absolutely. I uh, I wish you had gone back and given him a bit of an eye-opener about training the dogs. And, right, you know. yes. I mean, not not that it was his fault that dogs would run off. Right, yes, yes. The yes, assumption. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he
2: just assumed Cowboy yes. was going to run off. And yeah. we am like, what? Like, Even yeah. though she was holding position in heels. Right, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I thought nothing of it. And then once I got more involved, it's like, okay, now I saw where he was coming from. Yeah, but, um, you know, I wish, yeah, yeah the whole... You know, you could talk to everybody there and let them know, you know what? Yeah, we can train can these
0: We so we started the episode by talking about puppies and it being a common thing for puppies to pick up debris off the ground. So mm. what are some of the tactics that you would use to help them learn not to pick up anything and everything?
2: Well, what I'm going to do when I first bring home a brand new puppy is I'm going to take temptation out of the way. Nice. So I'm going to pick up pine cones and sticks and that in their area. Then I'm going to, if they do pick something up, I generally just uh, right away take it out of their mouth. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so my puppy picks up a pine cone. I just reach over, open up their mouth, pop it out, and move the puppy away. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the puppy learns that it's a no win situation because yeah. every time you pick up one of these things, the human opens their mouth and takes it out.
0: I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that I work on with my puppies, like right from the hop when they come home is teaching them that if I open their mouth, they should be compliant mm-hmm. with that and good things happen. Right. So I will actually teach them by opening their mouth and then I toss in a cookie,
2: oh. open
0: mouth, insert cookie, close mouth, let them eat it. And yeah. then it's like, oh, you opening right. my mouth, and I've never had that a dog a good idea, that yes. bites me on opening their right. mouth. But taking it away from them in that instant is absolutely mm-hmm. a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's not a permanent solution. Right. So it's not something that you want to do for longer than a few days to a week because we want to be teaching them skills in the meantime. So that open mouth insert cookie is a is is a great thing that mm-hmm. I do just to help my puppies understand that when I open, pry open their mouth, right. they shouldn't fight me on that. They shouldn't try to clench their jaw, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it does help with those things. Right. If I do need to remove things from their mouth, they don't end up in this, um, in this mental state where they're thinking, oh, it's a bad thing and I'm going to clamp down Calm and I'm going to hold on or tight. Or I'm
2: going to try to swallow it really fast. Yes. Exactly.
0: And eventually, if that's the tactic you're using all the time eventually you're going to lose because Mm -hmm. your puppy's jaws are going to develop strength and muscle Mm -hmm. and you are eventually not going to be able to wrestle things away from them. So we need to teach some skills in the meantime. So what are, as you're um, helping to school your puppy, what are some of the skills that you teach? Well, two skills. I teach a leave it Mm -hmm. and I also teach an out or a drop it. Perfect. Yeah, me too. And I will tell you that with tollers, um, with any sporting breeds, Mm -hmm. with any puppy really, but sporting breeds have such a huge tendency towards wanting to pick up things in their her mouth. I teach out as one of the first things that Mm -hmm. I teach so that they will very quickly and very easily and without resentment Mm -hmm. drop anything I ask them to drop in anticipation of better things happening. So um, we don't want to spend a lot of their puppy days having to wrestle things away from them. Mm -hmm. We want to teach them to have skills and be responsive. Mm -hmm. So a leave it command, I will often bring some of that debris into the house and use it for my leave it training. And I know that that probably sounds silly to a lot of people, but the setup My puppy doesn't know it's a setup. All he knows is that he's getting valuable information Mm -hmm. and potentially rewards for leaving that thing alone and focusing on me instead. And now I have a skill that I can use out there in the real world. And he doesn't know the difference between real world and setup. Right. The other thing that I really love about the setup and training in the setup versus waiting for it to happen mm-hmm. real world is that my timing is bang on usually right. because I'm prepared, right? right yeah, and I'm you're, not, you're in the mood to train too. It's ex- like I'm in the mood yeah, to do this. Yeah, that's a good point mm-hmm. too. And I don't usually think about that one. That's a really good point. But basically I am in a position where I know what to expect. You know, I've put that pine cone in the, on the floor mm-hmm. in my living room. I've got my puppy on leash. I'm walking towards it. And right. then I'm going to teach him how to leave it. Usually our first stages of leave it are using good timing, Mm -hmm. say leave it, show them a piece of food, lure them back towards Mm -hmm. you, and then yes and reward. And then of course, once they get the idea that leave it means turn back in your direction, we'll drop that food lure and it becomes a reward. So the dog has to perform Mm. the leave it before they get the reward. And then of course we'll go to a random reinforcement schedule and then wean off the food, et cetera. So it is a bit of a process. These processes are all things that Mm. we teach in our puppy essentials and life skills programs.
2: Same with like shoes and that too. It's like, you know what, you like shoes? We're gonna work on shoes today and I will Bring out the shoes and scatter them throughout the living room and I'll sit on the couch. Just see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And then
0: have these great sessions where you teach the puppy what they should do, what they shouldn't do, Mm -hmm. and that certain things are off limits. Right. Yes. Well, this has been a fun episode and I hope it has put some minds at ease with some of the normal puppy behaviors Mm -hmm. that we will see often. Right. On that note, I'm instructor Shannon. I'm instructor Swanee. Happy training.
1: This episode is brought to you by McCann Dog's Puppy Essentials Program. In this program, you'll receive personal support for things like crate and potty training, how to fix nipping quickly, teach your dog how to be calm and accept grooming and vet exams, how to socialize your new puppy properly, and use your puppy's instincts to build good behavior, and so much more. For more information, please visit McCannDogs.com. Happy training!